You know, I, uh, I have a soft heart for Rudolph. You know, he had the unfortunate circumstance of being born with a strange nose. Um, it glowed. And by the way, my tie, well, the battery's kind of dead, but it used to glow. But because of his nose, everybody made fun of him. In fact, in fact, the other reindeer wouldn't let him play in the reindeer games. Now, his, because of a strange term of fence on Christmas Eve and the fog rolls in, he gets okay at the end because he gets the lead Santa sleigh. And, well, the rest is history. As he says, we'll go down in history. But let me ask you a question. How about you? Have you ever felt like Rudolph? Because of something that happened in your life, have you ever felt rejection? Maybe by a dad who never showed his affection to you? Or maybe a mom who just didn't seem to check out as a mom and you grew up feeling huge rejection? Maybe students just show up at school and, and somehow you don't quit fighting, fit into the cool group and so you grew up being a Excluded from the cool group. Maybe it's the rejection felt by a pink slip. 450 families felt that pretty recently. Or maybe it's not rejection at all. Maybe it's something like a disappointment. Like, where was God when you needed Him? Where was God when, when the terrible happened? And you just feel this, this sense that nobody really cares... That nobody understands, and you're lonely, and you're excluded. A lot of people feel that way. And today, it is my privilege to share from you the Word of God exactly how God feels about you. And if you'll listen today, and if you'll understand the Word of God today, you will leave here a different person than when you came in. You remember when you were in school, especially grade school, and you would pass notes telling the girl next door how you felt about her? Well, God has left us an incredible note called His Holy Word, and He wants to share from His Word just how He feels about us. Now, now to, for this to be effective and for you to understand, there's, there's an application that you've got to get, and that is Christmas joy. Because, see, we often confuse our emotions with happiness and joy. And they're not the same. Um, we shared a little bit about this Wednesday night. Happiness is so contingent upon your circumstances. If things are going well in your life, you're happy. If, if, if your needs are being met in your marriage, you're happy. Um, if you're popular at school, you're happy. And happiness is strictly contingent upon how life is going in your sphere of influence. But then there's something called Joy. And I thought about having Victoria come up and going, joy, 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 joy. But I'll just do it myself. There's this thing called joy that is totally different from happiness. In fact, it has nothing to do with your circumstances. And that's huge because is there someone here who can say amen that life sometimes is hard? I mean, if really, if, if truly joy depends on circumstances, a lot of people could walk around and go, well, I don't feel very joyful. But, but it's not. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, they're like, there's like some attributes listed of God that every believer, every Christ follower gets when they become a Christian. We call them the fruit of the Spirit. 
But, but really, you call them the gifts. I know the gifts are different, but you call them special gifts from God to you as a believer. And the first one is love. And the second one is, guess what? Joy. Joy. So every one of us, if you're a Christ follower today, has this thing called joy built into you. And here's what I want you to get. Nehemiah, way back in a book in the Old Testament, when some guys had come back to Jerusalem, rebuilt Jerusalem, they'd been exiled for 70 years, and a guy named Nehemiah has come back to lead them. And in Nehemiah 8.10, the second part of the verse, here's what it says. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So the life-changing thing I want to share with you today cannot be bought at Walmart. The life-changing thing... I want to share with you today has nothing to do with your financial situation where you are right now. It doesn't have to do with your physical health. It doesn't have to do with your circumstances as far as your marriage goes or if you're a student, how things are going on at school. It has to do with our understanding of what God feels about us. And incredibly, it's found in a little book in the Old Testament called Zephaniah. Now, here's the deal. Most people know where Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is. You got that? Okay, look at Matthew in your Bibles. Go four books, I believe it is, back toward Genesis. So you're going to take a left turn at Matthew and go back four books, and you're going to find this little book called Zephaniah. Okay? And in Zephaniah 3.17 is a really cool scripture that tells us exactly why we can be joyful and how God really feels about us. Here we go. Watch this. The first thing we need to know is, in Zephaniah 3.17, let me read the whole scripture, then we'll come back. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Now, the first thing is this. Look what it says. The Lord your God is in your midst. Wow. The, one th- the reason you can have joy today, in spite of your circumstances, what you're going through, is that you need to know something. As a Christ follower, God is with you. Listen, regardless of what happened, now you've got to get this. You've got to believe this. You've got to believe this. You know, regardless of what you're going on in your life, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of the rejection that you feel, regardless of the hurt that you feel, regardless of the wounds that you have, There's a God, Jehovah God, and he is in the midst of your life. There's a scripture tucked away again in in Hebrews and chapter 10. And here's what it says. Your life should be free from the love of money. Now, what does that have to do with anything? Because that's where we look for happiness. The right Hebrews says, now, you won't find your happiness in loving money. Okay, because money will let you down every time. Okay, so your life should be free from the love of money. Okay. Be satisfied with what you have, for he, capital H, as in Jesus Christ, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There is a God and there's a Savior named Jesus Christ. If we choose to follow him and commit to him, he will never leave you. Would you please say, never leave you? Yeah. Now, what does never mean? I think it means never. That's exactly right. Now, do you understand? Here's the ramifications. So when you're hurting, he's with you. When the sun is shining and it really is going well, he's with you. When at school, you are the kid outside the block, he's with you. When your marriage is crumbling, 
He's with you. When dad withholds his love, he's with you. When mom withholds her love, he's with you. He never, never leaves us. In your darkest sin as a Christ follower. I mean, come on. Christians aren't perfect. Have you figured that out? We're forgiven, but we're not perfect. In the midst of our worst sin, the worst day, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. See, women have a great fear in marriage. Women have a fear that one day my husband will walk. And husband, I'm going to give you a clue that will radically change your marriage. You're going to want to buy my lunch. If you will give your wife the constant assurance, I'm here for the long haul, it will radically change your marriage. She will bring your dinner in your recliner while you watch football. She needs to know security. And when you offer that to her, and I'm here to tell you, listen, God offers security. Come on. God offers security. I will never leave you. I never will forsake you. God is in your midst. Then he goes on a bit further. The God that is in your midst says this. He's a mighty one who will save. An all-powerful one who will save. An all-powerful one who will rescue. An all-powerful one. He's the Calvary with the white hats. When the Indians are about to take you and your wagons are surrounded, it seems like you're about to go under, you hear... And here comes God, right like the Calvary, and to rescue you. A mighty God who will save. Now, there's a word there. Did you catch it? A mighty God who will save. Not that He can save, but that He will save. Not that He has the power to save, but that He has the desire to save. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Here's the verse we don't do. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, might be rescued. I said last week, may I say it again? Regardless of your skin color, your economic status, or how bad or how good you see you, I want you to know that there's a God who's willing to save by what happened on an old rugged cross. It began in a wooden cradle and ended on a wooden cross. He was born. He became God with us. He lived a sinless life and died that people like you and I could come to relationship with Him. There's a God who's willing to save. Yeah, that's worth plotting for. Especially, especially if you know how bad you are. Now, I know we think we're pretty cool. But when you start understanding that you're totally depraved, that you got nothing to bring to God, and He still sent Jesus Christ, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, it's pretty incredible news. There's no hymn. You remember hymns? We used to have what we called a hymn book. That's H-Y-M-N. Here, here's a song. Here's a song. I found a friend who is all to me. His love is ever true. I love to tell how he lifted me and what his grace.
can do for you. And the Course says, saved by His power divine. Saved to new life sublime. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete. For I am saved, saved, saved. Now let me tell you something. If today you are a Christ follower, if today you are saved, that is an incredible, reassuring fact. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Your sins are washed away. And you will spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when your storms come, He'll be there. He'll be there. So we have a wondrous one, the Lord God, who is in our midst. That one who is in our midst has the ability to save. But watch this. He will rejoice over you with gladness. You know what's cool? Check this out. So you Bible people. Get on your computer, on your iPhone, or get out the big old Strong's Concordance. And look up the word glad or gladness. Here's what you're going to discover. Almost every time the Bible says... We are glad about God. Did you see something there? It doesn't say in this verse, in Zephaniah 3.17, it doesn't say that we're glad about God. It says that God is glad about us. Come on now. Come on. When this sermon's over, you go look in the mirror and look at all the warts in your life, and there's still a God who's glad over you. Let me tell you what that means. Tell you what that means. It means... He's glad you're in the family. Now, come on. We know we all have relatives who come at Christmas that we turn the lights out on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You've got relatives who you sent a change of address to and you didn't move. You're just hoping they won't show up. I'm telling you, if you are a Christ follower, say Christ follower. If you are a Christ follower today, God is glad you're in the family. How many of y'all saw the movie Cheaper by the Dozen? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the kid? It wasn't the oldest kid, the, the power broker. It wasn't the youngest kid, who's always the best. We all know that. It was somewhere in the middle. And his name was, his nickname was FedEx. And they called him FedEx because they rode him and rode him because he was a little bit different wrote him and said, you weren't really born in this family. A FedEx man brought you. When I was young, now I understand this. When I was young, I was told for years that I was not born into the family. That mom and dad was, this is the truth, Brent. That mom and dad were driving through the poor section of town. They saw me in a ditch and brought me home. I can identify with FedEx. May I say something to you? That in the family of God, there are no FedExes. Come on now. In the family of God, there are no FedExes. There, there is not one person sitting here or listening on the radio today that God's up there going, didn't want to let him in. I didn't want to let him in. Because of God's marvelous grace, you are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees you pure. And you are not a FedEx. You are a blood-bought, blood-redeemed, prince of God, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what you are. That's good news. I said, that's good news. Your salvation didn't hang on your ability to perform before God. Your salvation was purchased by Him, held by Him. The only deal you had with it is saying yes. 
You have nothing to do with getting it. And you have nothing to do with keeping it. It's an act of God. And some of you, some of you come to church. Some of you live life just feeling all your life is nothing but shame before God. That somehow God doesn't like you. That God, because you made a commitment, has to let you in. Again, this must be song day. Listen to these words. A fervent prayer rose up to heaven. A fragile soul is losing ground. Sorting through the earthly babble, heaven heard the sound. This was a life of no distinction, no successes, only tries. Yet gazing down on this unlovely one, there was love in heaven's eyes. Now, someone needs to hear this today. In heaven's eyes, there are no losers. In heaven's eyes, there's no hopeless cause. Only people like you with feelings like me. Amazed by the grace we can find in heaven's eyes. If you take nothing home but this truth. That because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of God's amazing grace. You placing your faith in what Jesus did. You are not a FedEx. You weren't found in a ditch somewhere. And God had to let you in. He rejoices over you. How? With gladness. With gladness. And it gets better than that. Not only do we have a God who's in our midst and one who's mighty enough to save, not a God who rejoices over me, He will quiet you by His love. This is where joy is so big. He will quiet you by His love. I don't know what it was, but the worship God. I don't know if he was teaching for me because I was there or he said it in a worship set. But here's what he did. He quoted Psalm 46.10. And I've used this in funerals so much. Be still. And David pointed out that that translates from the Hebrew, stop striving. Stop striving. And here's what it the verse says this. Be still and know that I am God. Stop striving, stop stressing, stop worrying, and simply know this, that I am God. You can have joy today because there's a God in your midst. If you've trusted Christ as Savior, you are rescued, you are saved. There's a God who rejoices over the fact that you are who you are. And then he says this. Now, when life gets hard, and it will, when disturbing things happen, like we see in our country today, may I say it again? 20 children shot point blank by an evil man. A crazy man, if you like that word. And he says today, he speaks joy to us. He speaks peace to us. Stop striving. And know that I am God. I saw a bumper sticker once. This is God. I'll be handling your affairs today. So sit back and have a great day. There's a God who, come on now. There's a God who is sovereign. 
There's a God who's powerful enough to handle whatever's coming your way today. Hey, have a nice day. Be still. Stop striving. And know that I am God. How incredible. And then, this is the verse that stumped one of the deepest preachers I know of, John Piper. John loves Hebrews and Romans. He loves to ravel into deep things, gravel into the deep things of God. Dig in. And this verse says this. The last part of verse number 17. He will exalt over you with loud singing. He will exalt over you with loud singing. I said, well, let me look up this word exalt and see what it means. It means to be extremely happy. He will be, listen, come on. Y'all got to get this. God will be exact, will be extremely happy over you with loud singing. You remember the movie, the Titan, remember the Titans and the guy, the hero, the guy gets crippled at the end. He's talking to his girlfriend on the phone and she goes, tell me you love me. And all his friends are around. He goes, I love you. No, no, no. Say it louder. Tell me you love me. I love you. And all the guys just ripped. Oh, Gary. I guess his name was Gary. Oh, let me tell you something. God without shame. Come on now. God without reservation. God with unlimited grace. Sings over us. So the whole universe can know I'm His. If you're a Christ follower, so are you. Now, you're going to have to determine what you're going to believe. Because there are plenty of people in this world who will tell you, you are pond scum. You're too short. You're too fat. You're too skinny. You're too tall. Your nose is too big or perhaps it's red. There are plenty of people in this world who will tell you that you failed and you failed and you'll nothing be nothing else but a failure for the rest of your life. But there's a God who would sing over you loudly and be very happy to do so. And his name is Yahweh. His name is Jehovah God. Is that incredible? Now, I bet. I bet, and we don't have time, but I bet there are multiple people in this room going, I can't believe it. First off, Wayne, that's an obscure verse in, in Zephaniah. It doesn't even pertain to us. As John Piper pointed out in, in Ephesians chapter 3, it says that the Gentiles are, inher- are heirs of the promises of God. And if John Piper, the theologian, says that we can claim some of the promises of the Old Testament, now you can't claim the promises to Abraham because you're not Abraham. But these are made, this is a promise made to the people of God. And are you a people of God? I said, are you a people of God? I think this is a promise you can claim. How incredible. Take this home with you. Bask in this. When, when, when you're feeling that rejection, when you're feeling the pain, when you're feeling the hurt this week, did you write down Zephaniah 3.17? Now, I got bad news and good news. You knew it was coming, didn't you? The bad news is this, and I just alluded to it in my final comment. Zephaniah 3.17 was written to a people, the people of God, back about 300 years, 400 years before Christ. 
But it was written to a people of God. And the bad news for some of you is this. You're not a people of God. You haven't come to relationship. You honestly can't call God Father because you've never been born into the family. You want to hear the good news? You can. You can. Did I say it earlier? Red or yellow, black or white? You didn't care. The richest guy in town, the poorest guy in town? You didn't care. That direction or this direction? He doesn't care. People look at you and go, that's the biggest sinner in town? Or that's the nicest person I know? He doesn't care. For by grace you have been saved. For by grace you can be saved. Through faith and not of your, yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. So the invitation is easy, isn't it? If you're here today, and you may be good, and you may be moral, you may be a church member, but you've never come to grips with the fact that you have sinned against holy God. And because of that sin, you are separated. You can't call him father because you're not in the family. But you've heard the truth today. That because of what Jesus did 2,100 centuries ago, when he took the wrath of God and paid the price for our sins through spilling his blood, that we can be born again into the family of God and, yes, adopted into the family of God. Both. Born and adopted. Born genetically and adopted with full rights and privileges as a full-grown son. It is incredible. And I want to give you that invitation. I want to invite you to come to the source of joy today, and his name is Jesus Christ. I, I need to say this because you may be visiting with us today and you confuse God and church. There are really two separate animals. Now, yes, church is about God. I understand that, please. But going to church doesn't make you a Christian. But believing in Jesus Christ does. You can have forgiveness. You can have joy today. Now, in a few minutes, my friend here, Brother Brent, will be standing down front. And if I was offering $100 bills today, I couldn't keep you away from the altar. You go, anybody who comes forward today gets a $100 bill. You wouldn't see Brent. He'd be buried. Brent, you got any $100 bills? We could try this if you want. No, okay. I got all your money two weeks in a row, didn't I? <laughs> no, no. I'm offering you something better than a $100 bill. I'm offering you forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. I'm, actually, I'm not offering. I'm telling you. I'm telling you that in this life that's hard, you'll have a God who will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. And that when your time comes and the ticker quits ticking, that you'll spend eternity in a place called heaven with Jesus Christ. That's better than any $100 bill. Amen? It really is. Brent wants to tell you about that. Brent wants to tell you about that. And I, we'll have the heads bowed and the eyes closed, the whole nine yards. And we want you to just come and take Brent by the hand and say, Hey, Brent, I want to know how I can have this joy and this forgiveness that the pastor talked about. And we'll share with you about Jesus Christ. And it really does have nothing to do with church. It has nothing to do with being a Baptist or anything like that. It has to do with what Jesus did and what you do with Jesus. That's it. Now, if you're a Christ follower, can I use that old Pentecostal phrase? You need to name it and you need to claim it. You need to claim the promises of God. Not that you'll drive pink Cadillacs. Did I say that? But you need to claim the fact that there's a God. And he has reached down from heaven and saved you. There's a God who rejoices with gladness over you. 
There's a God who will hold and give you peace by his love. And there's a God who sings loudly over you with extreme happiness. And we start seeing God that way. Man, your whole life as a believer changes. If we can help you pray about that today, the invitation also is for that. If you've got someone in your heart today you need to pray about, the altar will be open. We'll have some friends down here to pray with you this morning. We want to do, listen, we want to do whatever we can to either help you know God or to walk closer with Him today. That's what it's all about. Would you bow your heads please with me? Well, Father, thank you so much for this high privilege, high privilege of sharing your word today. And God, this really is an incredible scripture. Father, it blows our minds that you welcome us into the family. You rejoice over us with gladness. You sing loudly over us with extreme happiness. It's so powerful. Now, Father, I know there's some folks here today. They've never experienced that. And there's something they're hungry for and Perhaps they don't even know, but today they heard. Would you give them the courage to come and take Brent by the hand and say, I want to know this God, this Savior. We pray for that, Father. For my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and truthfully, we sometimes feel like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. We've been rejected, excluded, and feel unloved. May they today, as believers in Jesus Christ, fully understand just how much you love us and that you'll never leave us and that you rejoice over us. Have your way, Father, in hearts today. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.